0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org.
1: Thank you. So, uh, we've been covering Ruth. We went through first and second chapter of Ruth. um, Just to kind of give us a a, uh, recap. Um this is all happening in a very really small area. Um, the distance between uh, Bethlehem and Moab is only about 30 miles uh, across the it's across the, the uh, Dead Sea. Um, and it's a different nation of people. They worship different gods. They they believe in human sacrifice. So these men of these this family, Elimelech, and he's a he's an Israelite, and he takes his his God-fearing family out of God's chosen land to Moab, seeking something better. And that's when it all falls apart. So he dies. His sons die. Um, Naomi's left with her daughter-in-laws, and she finds out that the Lord is blessing his people, so they head back. So in this whole thing, Ruth decides she's going to reestablish who she is. She claims a new identity. She's no longer this Moabite, which the land of Moab was founded from Lot's son, Moab, who was fathered uh, through incest. Um, after Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Um, so that, that nation, that city, those people, their, their lifestyles rooted in this incest, this un- ungodly union, and um so so that's the that's the culture she's coming out of she chooses a new culture she's doing it on faith alone and not even faith on what she's seen what god has done but faith on naomi what naomi has has shown her that's that's where she learned who god was and who what the truth was was from naomi from naomi's family or from from her sons and naomi they were an example to her and she saw them and who they were in in, under the Lord's covering, and, and in his, uh, through his direction and, and, and lifestyle that he, he brought them up in, and re- Israelites, and, and she saw that, and saw the truth in it, and saw the good in it, and she declared that your God is my God. Your people are my people. So she took on this new identity. So now she's a, she's a Gentile woman. She's going into Israel, um, claiming this new identity, and then She's starting to be embraced under this new identity. She's, she's a, you know, Naomi calls for my daughter. Um, she goes out to try to provide for her mother-in-law, and everyone treats her. They hear what she did, and they treat her like part of the family. Now she's been grafted into the family. She's been adopted into the family, just like we have been adopted into the family, into Christ's family. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ we're part of the family now. Ruth was adopted into the family in the same way. So that's how this story mirrors our own salvation and our own adoption into, into this family and the own, our own redemption um, from a kinsman redeemer. Jesus Christ would be our kinsman redeemer. So Boaz comes in, sees Ruth as who she is, the character that she carries, the desire she has to, to love and to honor her mother-in-law, and the things that she chose, and he sees that and he blesses it. He says, He says, Bless you in Lord Jehovah's Name for what you have done. I've heard your stories, I know what you've been through, and I just bless you. He's and then he starts giving her the uh, treatment that you would give an actual family member. So now he's the redeemer has accepted her into the family. Now, so that's where kind of where we left off was in chapter three two. Uh, we talked about who Boaz was. Um, you know, his 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 bloodline was not the uh, cleanest bloodline. He was the son of a of a prostitute. A Gentile prostitute, and the Israelites did not have good—they didn't have favor on prostitution for one thing. Uh, it was even grounds for death, by I believe uh, burning to death if it was a, if it was a, if it was a priest's daughter that end, ended up in a prostitution because she she made him so unholy. So they had a really poor outlook on. Uh, prostitution, and yet here he is now a respected individual. He's following God's laws. He knows the laws. He knows what the what the Lord had set aside for providing for widows and foreigners. He knows he he's following all these things. He knows about the kinsman redeemer and the and the laws and structures that God put in place hundreds of years ago. So he's schooled in the law. And he chose that lifestyle. He, cho- he could have chosen the lifestyle from the family that his, on his mother's side. In you know, who knows what could have happened, what he could have embraced. Or as a child, who was he influenced by? Um, I know I grew up in, a, in an environment that was filled with poverty, um, filled with uh, gang violence, um, just desperation and ungodliness. Uh, but I had to make that choice. I had to see one side and see the other side and I had to make that choice. Where do I, who, who do I want to honor? And that's, in this book, Ruth, actually uh, was a big part of that. Of me decide, of us deciding, you know, who, who are we going to honor? And, and the Lord really put things in place to protect us and to teach us and to guide us. All we have to do is look at it. And, f- and he, we don't we don't have to do anything, but he already has set in motion. So it, it sure makes the choice easy when you see it that way. Yeah. So tonight uh, we're going to go ahead and finish. We're going to finish up chapters three and four. And I'd like to, uh, if you guys could, you know, think about what we're reading, and would like to be more interactive tonight. Um, so if you have any questions or comments or if the Lord sp- stirs anything in your heart, just raise your hand. we'll bring a mic around to you and uh, we can start from there. Let's see here. So Alicia, we're going to have Alicia read for us. She has such such a sweeter voice than I do. So we're going to read chapter 3, 1 through 14.
2: And we're reading out of the NLT. So one day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the, to the threshing floor. But don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. And be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. And after Boad had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'I am your servant, Ruth,' she replied. "'Spread the corner of your covering over me, "'for you are my family redeemer.' "'The Lord bless you, my daughter,' Boaz explained, exclaimed. "'You are showing even more family loyalty now "'than you did before,' for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him if he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor.
1: So we start out with Naomi scheming a plan. She wants something greater for Ruth. She wants. She knows who, who Boaz is. She knows his character and that he's the family redeemer. He's the kinsman redeemer. And that follows in with what's going on in Deuteronomy, where we read in, about the structure that God set in place, where if your brother, uh, if you die and you don't have any children, how your your uh, your next of kin to come in, take over, and create an heir for you, so that your name would live on. And that's the point of this kinsman redeemer. That's why it was instituted, so that the the families would live on and continue on. So we see um, Naomi coming up with this, this plan. And it's something you hear Ruth say when, she, when she, does, she does go to Boaz, and you hear her say, spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. So what she's saying here in Hebrew, she uses the word kanaf, and this is the same word we see in the second chapter, where Boaz says, in 2 verse 12, he says, may the Lord the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The word they use for wings here is the same word, kanaf, that he that she uses back to him about spreading the corner of your covering over me. The corner of your covering, spreading it over me. He's saying, you are like God's covering over me. I'm relating she's relating that instance. He already blessed her, said, "May the Lord do this for you. She's recognizing the Lord is doing this for me through you." So she's mirroring and echoing the same words that he had already spoken to her. And then we see the story we see um, Boaz, he really uh, reveals his character because we all have seen the story so many times r- written about this young uh, maiden who sees this rich older man and one of them is trying to take advantage of the other. Either she's trying to take advantage of him for his monies or she he's trying to take advantage of her for her, her trophy, you know, uh, what is it Stat- status trophy status um so so this is that's a kind of like a common story theme but here you you see Boaz is more concerned about her well-being he he's really unselfish about it even he says there's there's a I, yes you do need a redeemer yes this is something that we can i will go for you and i will reach out to this redeemer and if he doesn't since he's closer, he's actually the one who has first, first uh, uh, denial or whatever. Uh, so he's she's looking out for her. Her he's looking out for her well-being uh, um, without concern for himself, and also he's looking out for her reputation. He he says, "I don't. Nobody needs to know you're here. So just lie here quietly." And before anyone else can see you, you know, then you can go ahead and head out. We don't need people thinking that there's anything going on here. It was, as far as we know, it was just them. There, they they could have done a, all manner of things, but they chose to be chased. They chose to follow the Lord's uh, design and commandments, and so He really showed a lot in His character, who He was, and how unselfish He was, and how much. Um, she really meant to him in that situation. So, anybody have any comments or questions about what's going on? No? Kanaf. Well, there's two different spellings. Uh, This complete Jewish study Bible spells it K-A-N-A-F. But there's... um, In the concordance, it's, you have a a microphone, Alicia? Oh, a microphone? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I just have a question because I always wondered, you know, when she went in the night, she went to him, you know, and all of this, that how do you know they were chased?
1: Well, there's a lot of racy stuff going on in the Bible, and they're pretty explicit about it. (laughs) So I'm pretty sure the writers of the Scripture uh, would—I mean, they talk about some very—they talked about how Job's or not Job, uh, how uh, Lot's daughters got him drunk so they could have sex with him and bore children. I'm pretty sure that they would not bother leaving that out. That's my my personal opinion.
0: Well, I just always wondered why Why was she had his feet and, you know, why was he in the
1: darkness? You know, tonight? I was praying about yeah. that. When I read scripture, I generally, the first thing I do is ask, Holy Spirit, you know, show me what you have. Because there's so many different translations in the Bible. But if we pray for Holy Spirit wisdom before we attack the scripture and what the Lord has in store for you, he's going to direct your heart he's going to direct your thoughts, your mind. He's going to f- reform these words in a way that, is going to speak to you in truth, so that's how I approach Scripture. And what I got from Holy Spirit is that in the night, if your feet get cold, you're going to wake up and you're going to. But you're not going to be startled necessarily. So it's a situation where she wants to draw his attention to her, but she doesn't want to be disrespectful at the same time. So what would be the least, uh, you know, abrasive or the least? Um, confrontational way to get his attention would be to uncover his feet, because his feet would get chilled, he would wake up, and then he would discover her. So that's that's what Holy Spirit uh, revealed to me. Oh, and there's definitely being at your feet is a sign of humility, definitely throughout Scripture. So um, we were talking about this Kanaf. to twelve. The wings under whose wings. So this is spelled in the um, concordance K A N A P H, is another spelling that I found. And it's, uh, the number for that is 3671 if you want to look it up in the Strong's. So, he, she repeats um, what he says back to her. Um, he wants to unselfishly concern for her safety um, and her reputation. So, let's go ahead and, and read uh, the rest of chapter 3. 15 through 18.
2: Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. And he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother in law, Naomi, w- Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? And Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today.
1: So one of the meanings for Boaz is moves rapidly. So he's a man who, when he sets his mind to it, he will make it happen, and he's not going to dawdle. He's not going to dilly-dally in this. Which, we talked about names last week and the week before. This, uh, in the Hebrew writings, they talk about God in different facets. And in chapter 3... When they mention God, they mention Lord Jehovah. And that, that means Messiah pre-incarnate. So he's the Savior. He's someone who's looking out for you, who will bring you up out of chaos or out of danger or out of whatever transgression you might be under. He's, he's the Messiah pre-incarnate. He's there. He will come, and he will save you. So that's the, that's the facet of God that they are... Um, Speaking of throughout chapter chapter three, now in chapter two, we see the same God. We see Messiah pre-incarnate when um, Boaz comes to his people in the field and he blesses them. Coming back from his travels from um, Bethlehem, he says, uh, "The Lord Jehovah be with you," and they answer back, "The Lord Jehovah bless you." So. So in that transaction, he's the, he's, the pre, um, he's the Messiah pre-incarnate. He's the one who's coming to save. Um, so throughout chapter three, they're still, and it's, it's the situation that they're in that brings out the character of God that they're using. So in chapter two, Boaz says um, to Ruth, he says, the Lord Jehovah bless you. Or recompense your work and that's the pre-incarnate Messiah and then he says and the full reward be given you of the Lord Jehovah God Elohim of Israel and that's um, back in uh, chapter 2 verse 12 um, where he's blessing um, Ruth so he uses another facet of God in that blessing and uh, when when he's being when God is being represented in a, in a powerful way, where he has full control, we see him being represented as God Elohim, the living word, the many-powered. So he has many facets, many ways about him. So this is also the same way that Ruth calls him out when she's making her declaration to Naomi. He, she, when when she says that your God will be my God, in in chapter one, she says, God Elohim, the Living Word, many-powered. She's she's calling him out as the great, multifaceted God that he is, and that's I feel like that's the that's like the highest name for God. I feel, is the the living the Living Word, the many-powered. There's another facet of God that they that is used throughout the book of Ruth and that is El Shaddai the almighty and Naomi's the one who calls him as the El El Shaddai she calls him that when she's talking about how he has, he has um what's the word that she uses the uh, for the almighty has made life very bitter for me so she's she's calling she's saying he has all the power. He is all my, mighty. He could have done anything else, but he decided to make my life bitter in this moment. And that was how she was feeling. So that was the power that she was representing when she called on the Lord in in that name. That's the facet that she used. So you can see depending on their circumstances who the character that they're calling out from God. That's why I believe that they have so many different names for him because there are so many different facets of his character. He's not just one thing. He's all things. So it's easier for, I mean, in their naming, we talked about in uh, our first week how important names were to the Hebrew culture. Um, names were very important and especially in scripture, it was, they were very, um, it was like you would, this is something that I actually grew up believing, was, and I'm not sure where I got it, I think Holy Spirit gave it to me a long time ago when I didn't even know who Jesus was. He told me that we grow into our names. Our names have meaning, and it, and it contributes to our character. So when you name someone, you have to be think forward thinking of what is this person going to be, and when I name them this, this is the name that's going to carry them through life, and they're going to actually grow into this name. And I believe 100% that all of us out here were named, and that name dictated a portion of our character that we received from that name. So even today, I I see it um, in people that I interact with. There is a there is a character about certain names where people will fall into this this uh, type category in some facet. Um, So, and the Hebrews Hebrews did this, and it was part of their culture. So, calling God by these different names uh, represents these different characters of his. So, um, before we move on to chapter 4, any questions? Any comments?
2: I want to say something. Yes. I love... The understanding that must have happened between Boaz and Ruth, because in verse 16 or not no, sorry, not, not 16, but um, when, he, when he measures out the, the barley to give it, he doesn't want her to go home empty-handed, which is what Ruth tells Naomi, but look what, what he gave me. He didn't want me to go come home empty-handed. That to me is a gift straight from Boaz to the mother-in-law,
1: oh, 100%. And I think yes. that
2: there's an under there must have been some other conversation like that went on that he knew that Ruth was acting under the guidance of Naomi, and she was not going to return with her kinsman redeemer yet, so he gave her some food instead <laughs> so that <laughs> she would not go <laughs> home empty-handed. <laughs> and I just love that, and I I, I love to meditate on. What conversation, what, what extra little tidbits must have gone in there, and what his understanding was. Um, so I just think that's so sweet and so adorable. And um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on that, those little things.
1: Yeah, and it was the end of. Oh, uh, f- oh great. Yeah, this this
3: like may it. be a man thing, but I'll just. Um, first of all, you know, Mama says uh, take a bath, put on your perfume, put on nice clothing, right? And now from Boaz's point of view, he knows there's another kinsman redeemer in the line before him. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how much older he is than her, but he is, when the revelation comes, she says, I want you to be my kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. And so in the unfolding of that, there's the revelation like, oh wow, she's a prize. I love the fact that there's, he keeps character, but at the same time, mama's working behind the scenes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yes. Philip.
4: So, so there was. A, I found out there was five different meanings for redeemer, for kinsman redeemer. Uh, oh, right, five five different purposes. Like the first one was vengeance on blood. If someone spilled someone's blood, they would have to go and uh, enact vengeance. And the second one was to raise up children for someone like for your brother if if your brother died prematurely. And the third one was slavery. If someone's sold into slavery, it was the kinsman's redeemer's responsibility to get them out of slavery. The fourth one was land, if you lost your land, the Kinsman Redeemer would help you to get your land back. And the fifth one was to supply needs. So if someone is destitute or doesn't have something they need the Kinsman redeemer would be responsible for that. That's
1: good. Yeah. I feel like uh he's fulfilling all all those roles in this redemption story as we move forward. Um so let's go ahead and go into chapter 4 1 through 10. I need my bible. You want me to read it? Yes. I can't read it cuz my internet not working. Technical difficulties.
5: You wanna, you wanna I need
2: NLT, yeah. I, okay. I only have it on my phone.
3: It's on this side so when you come over here you gotta come over here.
1: What verses? 1 through 10. Sorry guys.
2: So Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. And just then, the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab? She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Halimelech, I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course... Your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I cannot do it. Now in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Chilion, and Milan. And with the land, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Milan, to be my wife. This way, she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses this day.
1: So, this is the transaction. This, the, yes, Jim has a comment, Alicia?
5: How many witnesses were required in order to make a transaction valid? Do you all know that answer? Because I don't think it was 10. I think upon the witness of two or three. Yeah, I think it was two I or three. just think it's beautiful that Boaz was there and he said, no, 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 I don't want two or three. I want 10 witnesses. He wanted beyond the measure of what was necessary in order to complete the transaction.
1: Right.
0: I have a question. Um, it was about uh, let's see. Why? Why did that make a difference when the the first redeemer, right? He was ready to redeem it. Then he said, "You." Well, the other thing is, you Ruth has to become your wife. Right. And he said that would endanger right. his property. Right. So can you? Do you understand how that would
1: happen? Because now he has someone in his bloodline who actually, is, he will become the inheritor of this, these properties that he's redeeming. So he's not, he's not purchasing property for himself. He's not redeeming it for himself, his own family. He is making it so that it stays in a bloodline. It's not his bloodline. But it's also someone that he bore, a child that he bore now has claim to his own inheritance. You see, he wants to keep his his inheritance to his own bloodline. He doesn't wanna mix bloodlines. And now there's gonna be a question of inheritance.
3: Which is, uh, which is just to follow up on this, which is another uh, aspect of how Boaz in his character was saying, I'm now acknowledging that my inheritance and my name becomes her name, his, his bloodline, Elimelech's bloodline. So he, Boaz, the Redeemer, gave up his own rights, which again is a picture of Christ. He gave up his rights to become the Redeemer.
1: Right. And this is a, a point in the story where I was really excited to get to because it shows Boaz's character in business He's not only is he is he caring and and thoughtful. He's you know concerned about reputation. He's following the laws. He knows what God's put ahead to take care of these people. He's he's very he's very thoughtful of what God instructs. And now we see he, how thoughtful he is of how people are operating nowadays. He sees he sees how Israelites are operating. They're they're choosy. It sounds to me what I'm getting is that they're choosing which parts of the laws they want to uphold and which parts they don't. They're not they're not sticking to the law completely. They're ta- they're taking the parts of the law that they like or that benefits them and they're ignoring the parts of the law that that don't benefit them. That's the, that's a, I, I feel like that's a character reference that he re- recognizes and he utilizes in this situation because he knows, oh, here's some property. You're going to want this property. It looks good. He doesn't give him the whole story. He doesn't say there's this property, there's this widow, she's got this daughter-in-law. What do you think? He says, oh, look at this shiny apple. It's really nice. And then he brings in what he knows is going to damage his opinion of this shiny apple. He says, by the way, there's this widow. You're going to have to take her with you. So he already formed an opinion. He brings in what he already knows is going to be represented poorly in this man's eyes to uh, emphasize it. He he brought it in separately. This is a business tactic. He used it because he wanted to be the redeemer. It was his heart was to be the redemption of Naomi's family. Um, we're gonna have Kathy first here.
0: I never understood the sandal part. <laughs> I don't understand the significance of using a sandal. Can you explain?
1: It's part of the law that was written. Moses wrote the law, and part of the law was was trading sandals. And there is actually a part in the law of kinsmen redeemers. It's it's even it's even more interesting. And we, we talked about it last week in Deuteronomy twenty-five where it says if the brother does not want to marry the wife or the widow to, to um, father the children, if he refuses his right, then she is to take his sandal and spit in his face. That's written in God's law. She's That's supp- God you know, it made, made sense to Moses at the time. Okay. Yeah. At least he didn't have to spit in his face. Uh,
3: just, just, just a presupposition here is not everyone was literate, and so you can't have a signed contract. So there's something about, as the witnesses, I'm passing the sandal to you. That means it's a sealed deal.
1: And it's also, I feel like it's something of protection that everyone wears. It, you, you wear your sandals to protect your feet, so you're exposing yourself. To whatever you know kind of damage you might incur without your sandals, it's, it's really the only piece of protection other than just like a, sh- you know, a cloak or something that you're wearing.
0: I was going to say something. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, in the beginning of uh, Bo's f- uh, chapter four, uh, Boaz says he calls ten leaders, so he wants to be a f- to be sure that it's legally. This was at the gate. Yeah. And the leadership was always at the gate right uh, where they decided so he was very careful after calling that other de- de- redeemer and then he had 10 witnesses which was the government right was uh, in effect there so that's uh another they care that he made sure it was legal
1: right he, kn- he didn't go outside of his bounds he made sure everything was ready to go um
5: since we're still on this that i uh i think this is really interesting too daniel uh, if you look at uh, verse seven in chapter four, it says, "Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning uh, redeeming and exchanging." And I read one commentary said that that Samuel probably wrote wrote this book of Ruth, and that by the time he wrote it, this custom was no longer followed, and that you know Boaz was an example of what God originally wanted in a kinsman redeemer, but it had already, you know, even even you mentioned before in Judges. They had they were just picking and choosing and getting away from it. Yeah. But, but that uh by the time this was written that it wasn't even practiced anymore hardly. But I thought it was interesting too that obviously that Boaz wanted this woman, so he made it clear that the uh other close cleansman redeemer had to marry her and he probably knew that the guy didn't want to do that. Yeah. So uh and he knew the law. He,
1: you know, He studied the law. He knew yeah. the, the tradition. He had all the leaders, all the people who also would have known the law, and so he represented it in a way. It was very knowledgeable. There was, there was generations of people that were not raised to know the law in judges, and this is happening in those in those times when they didn't raise the generations up in righteousness. So they, they weren't familiar with the laws, with tradition, um, any of that stuff, but he was. So this shows... Also, another aspect of his character. Um, Philip had something.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think the sandals represent your walk, and when you curse someone with the sandal or, or bless someone with the sandal, it has to do with uh, something to do with your walk. You walk walk with God.
0: Well, and I was just, um, through the aspect of putting on your armor in Ephesians, it's your feet shod with the gospel of peace. So if it's, you know, you think of the sandal as also maybe a peaceful transaction also mm-hmm. coming up in the, um, that right. would just.
1: All right, let's go ahead and uh, move on through chapter four here. Unless anybody has any other comments, no? Uh, let's go f- for 11 through 17.
2: Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied. We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. And may this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law, who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cradled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. And the neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David, and this is the genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron was the father of Ram, and Ram was the father of Aminadab. Yep. Aminadab was the father of Nishan and Nishan was the father of Salmon. Do I pronounce the L? Salmon? (laughs) I'm Alaskan. We don't pronounce the L in Salmon. So I want to pronounce the Salmon, but we'll just say Salmon. Um, (laughs) Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed and Obed was the father of Jesse And Jesse was the father of David.
1: Amen. So we start this passage off with the elders at the gate blessing Ruth, saying, May she be like Rachel and Leah, which they were the mothers of a nation. They were the mothers of the sons of Jacob through them all Israel was born and now we have Ruth who through Ruth bore David so she they blessed her they were prophesying over her yes. this was a prophecy that they spoke over her saying you're going to be as important to us as Rachel and Leah and she was she was she, through her David their greatest king was born and not only that it didn't stop there through david jesus christ himself was born so she was a pivotal mother in that storyline so we start off with this prophecy which obviously came true Um, and then we see how this story that began with loneliness and desperation came to life and ends with happiness and a family that was lost a family that had no path but to have faith that the Lord would provide for them they traveled through dangerous lands with no covering seeking the Lord's provision that's all they had focus on the Lord is providing in Bethlehem we must go there lonely women hoping for the Lord's provision knowing that there may be, might be some gleaning that they could do. They knew that the Lord was providing in the house of bread. Maybe we could go to the fields. And what happens through that faith? The whole entire family is redeemed. And they are brought into a new joy, a new happiness. Now they have a new a, a, a new child to carry on the name. A new child to to fill that spot in naomi's life she becomes the nurse and it's not like a wet nurse but it's a it's a caretaker um she becomes a caretaker of her grandchild almost like it was a son of hers so it was able it was able to heal that wound in her heart that missing place in her heart through this redemption where she was to gain that love again so it's just been a huge blessing um, just and all they and all they did was follow what was set before them. they didn't have to do anything special they didn't have to seek after anything but what God laid before them. That was it they didn't have to learn any special knowledge they didn't have to train for any kind of special um, tactics or and he kind you know they just they just did what the Lord had already set in before them hundreds of years before, followed His plan, followed His guideline, and they were redeemed, they were blessed and the bloodline continues on. So um, it was the, this list of genealogy um, it was really interesting. if we, I just wanted to go through uh, the names here. Uh, Once again, through the rest of this chapter, um, God is referred to as Lord Jehovah, um, Messiah incarnate. So this is just a very joyous occasion. This whole chapter is just joy unfolding. So his character that they're revealing is the Savior, is the Messiah. Um, which is a very joyful occasion to be brought out of slavery or brought out of transgression or brought out of whatever, you know, that Messiah, that Savior. It's going to be a most joyous occasion. So that's the character that they're um, bringing out. We have this um, genealogy. So it starts with Perez. Perez. And it says here, um, his na- the name, uh, the Hebrew name they use here is uh, breaking forth or breaking open, a breaking. And then that begets um, Hezron, which is surrounded by a wall. So the breaking open begets being surrounded by a wall. And then he begets Ram, which is high and exalted. So. Here at RAM, this is where the line splits to Caleb. Um, and Caleb is actually the father of what Bethlehem, the area of Bethlehem, when they say, when they say um, Ephrathites, the Ephrathites from Bethlehem, the way they introduce and Elimelech's family, they're Ephrathites. The Ephrathites were descendants of Caleb. So this is where Elimelech's family split from um, Boaz's family was several generations prior to uh, this. So I thought that was just like an interesting little tidbit. Um, So Ram is highly exalted and then from Ram comes Aminadab, which is family of the prince. And then from family of the prince comes Neshon, the enchanter or uh, Yeah Neshon. And then from the enchanter comes salmon Which means peace peaceable, I believe they don't have a meaning in the scripture, but I think I think I remember seeing it was peaceable No, it was uh, Salmon means uh, Here it is investiture the action of formally, formally investing a person with honor and rank. So from Salmon, which was the father of Boaz, the husband of a prostitute, we get the meaning of investiture, which is to invest a person with honor and rank. So he took someone from low standings and brought them into the standing that Boaz is as we see him in this story. So it's very fitting, I think, the, the name of Salmon, his father. And then we have Boaz, which means to uh, move at a high rate of uh, movement. And then Obed is serving, who beget Jesse, which is I possess, and then David, the beloved. So, um, breaking forth, surrounded by a wall, highly exalted, family of print, of the prince, enchanter, investiture, high rate of movement, serving, I possess, and beloved. It's just an interesting progression of names and characters that were born from those names to lead us to King David. And then to Christ. So any more uh, questions, comments? I
3: think yeah. I think it was the first night we talked about it just so happened, you know. Yeah. That uh, we we talked about whether we were predestined or do we have any choice in these matters. Mm-hmm. You know, it just so happened that um, here again, after 10 years of marriage or 10 years in the Moabite land, mm-hmm. the two sons have no descendants, right? She, they don't, she doesn't have three sons. She has two. They die. They have no children. And now the, the kinsman redeemer's child is born. So, again, God's hand on this thing and how, you know, we, we wonder sometimes how things work out and why they work out. But obviously, the goodness of God was all through this process, even in the the bitter loss of all the battles and struggles that that Naomi went through.
1: Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me on this study through Ruth. Um, It was good. Next week, we're going st- to go into the New Testament next week, so it'll be a little more palatable, as the New Testament tends to be. And Jude. Um, Jude's going to be broken up. It's a small book, but I really feel like there's three parts to the book. And it starts with building a foundation. Um, in the letter of Jude, he, he addresses the church um, as, a, as a very foundational church. He was going to write them as a blessing, you know, to bless them, talk about the gospel, but then he found out that there was something else going on. So I really feel like it's establishing a foundation. And then the second portion of it is recognizing false teaching, false prophets, false doctrine, infiltrating the church. And then the third portion of it is true prophecy and how it upbuilds and encourages the body and how to discern between and how to act in that prophetic manner. So those are the three... Uh, sections that I really felt like the book was running into, so we'll have those three weeks coming up.